Welcome to the Little Red Village podcast, produced by Little Red Fashion. CEO Jonathan Joseph and head historian Rachel Elspeth Gross are about to take you on a journey through the ins and outs of fashion, tugging at the threads of how it all works straight from the people who make it happen. Let's join them for today's episode. You might read the brand name, My Sleeping Gypsy, and be immediately turned off because of the use of a word which is widely accepted to be a slur or pejorative. After speaking frankly with Katya Herman, one of the brand's six founding female members and their creative director, I can tell you that the name and the lady's dedication to keeping it is far more nuanced than might be expected. In a conversation about her current refugee status and the terrifying journey to get her 47 employees and their families to safety, Katya made time to explain to me where the name comes from, what it means to the women who created the company, one of whom is of Romani descent, and why they have chosen to stick by it, even though it has cost them opportunities. The six founders vote on every decision the brand makes, and they are dedicated to the work and the people who work for them. In this conversation, I learned that when Ukraine was invaded for the second time, back in February, it felt like a surprise to a lot of people. There was no perception of animosity between Ukrainian and Russian citizens, and some people refused to believe that it could actually come to war. Once the invasion began, Katya, who was in Kiev at the time, and one of her co-founders immediately found transportation and worked to get their workers and the workers' families to safety. It was not simple, but it's a story she relates in this interview gently and with a lot of grace. Before they were forced to scatter for safety, and yes, the ladies still have digital meetings whenever they can, My Sleeping Gypsy, which is named for the Henri Rousseau painting from 1897, was building a sustainable high fashion movement, limiting production, refusing to keep stock or have inflated prices just to later offer fake discounts. These women are still working, some of them countries apart for the conceivable future. That's maybe what I hope you take away from this. The utter tenacity, the depth and range of this woman and her partners who are fighting to reestablish their cultural heritage in every conceivable way. Before I met Katya, I never imagined that a woman displaced could be such a beacon of unfailing strength. And now, I think that was small of me. Hey everybody, this is Rachel here with another episode of our Little Red Village podcast. And today with me, I have Katya Herman, who's one of five founders, all female, of My Sleeping Gypsy. And very sadly, she's currently a refugee and she's staying close to Geneva with one of her partners. And you guys are working through this war, which must be very intense. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate you making some time to talk to me today. Hello, everyone. And thank you very much, Rachel, for this invitation. So that's a chance for us to speak about what we are going through, to share our experience with all the people. We know, we feel that people all over the world, they're supporting us and they're thinking about Ukraine. So yeah, this opportunity is very valuable for me. As you have said, indeed, I'm currently near Geneva in one of these very nice little villages, like medieval villages. And now I live in an amazing house since recently, since a couple of weeks. Before that, within the brand, we've been living all together, remembering our young ages. So there was people sleeping in the corridors, like everywhere. But Makes it was a lot of fun. college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been here for around two months, maybe a bit less than two months. When the war, since the outbreak of war in Ukraine, I've moved to here because one of our partners in business, Angela, she lives here for the last 10 years. She, we've been operating the business 
within Ukraine and then she was here. So I would usually come to her, you know, we're like four or five of us, we're very connected and very close to each other. So we share all the family stories and stuff, even though we're all different of different ages and different social backgrounds and even different cultures and countries, right? But I think that's what makes it a democratic board of the brand. <laughs> it's very so female. I, I love that. It seems yeah. very much like a woman's. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And so I came here because we've agreed with Angela to Angela have found a vehicle. The war started. We were all devastated. We couldn't imagine this would be. Actually, yeah, a month some... before at the outbreak of war, Angela would be calling us and me. I was uh, I just returned to Kiev from my travels and she was saying, okay, there's going to be a war, guys. We have to move out. We have to take out the production because we are vertically integrated. We have 57 people, facilities, everything. So there's a big structure. But I have to admit, we were absolutely not prepared. We couldn't couldn't accept the idea that there's going to be any war with Russia, you know, Russian and Ukrainian people, their brother nations, definitely, they share so many similarities. In between people, there was no hatred, no war, and no one could ever imagine that the massive violence like that will be started by the Russian current government against Ukrainian nation and Ukrainian people. Were you born in Ukraine? Yeah, I was born in Ukraine. So I was born in USSR in in the city called Lugansk, which is on Donbass. Maybe some of you have heard what Donbass is. So basically, I'm being a refugee a bit. Well, I call it nomad. I'm a nomad. That's my lifestyle. So maybe that's why I'm navigating the refugee art of refugee quite well in my hometown, Donbass. But I left Lugansk town where I was born when I was, I think, 12. Since then, I've lived in different countries and visited many countries, but my family, my grandmother and grandfather would remain there. So when in 2014, all this started on Donbass and Crimea, we were only back then involved into what the war is. For my family, that was the first war. And now, yeah, that's again more violence, which was absolutely unpredictable for us, even though our foreign friends and, you know, in Kiev, we have a residence, where I resided and it was within the brand. So it was a beautiful 200 square meters space in the center of Kiev where on the first floor we would have the R&D department and on the second floor I would leave and our art director. So the people would always be coming to the residence to exchange, you know, communicate with the brand. And so we still keep this facility in Ukraine. Now in Kiev, our team who stayed in Kiev, they gathered there and there was a period in time when people were hiding there because it's a historical building so we expected that they will not be destroying historical heritage this building is more than 100 years old beautiful building so gosh gosh <laughs> i mean it makes it makes me think of the second world war i mean it makes you know it, yeah i know that a lot of people were encouraged to leave if they were not you know able to help in in the military and one question I've been asking people like you is, traditionally the workforce is female, right? Like the people piecing together the clothing. And I keep hearing over and over that women are choosing to stay because they want to, they want to do their work. And I wanted to ask a little bit about your team that chose to stay. Could you tell me about them? Sure. So when the war started, I was in Spain. I left 10 days before the war started since we could not believe that and we were unprepared as well as mm-hmm. our government. 
I believe. So I was in Spain with my kid. We left on vacation to visit our friends, which means that I left the Ukraine three weeks ago with the bag for vacations, right? A little luggage. And I've never returned since then. Then another partner of ours, I'll start with the partners. Another partner of ours, she lives in Russia. So she is still in Russia. And as for now, she can't see how to go out of Russia. There's uh, airplanes that are suspended in the area where she lives, but she will come here. So she still can. She has to do the visas to go to the European Union. Russian people need visas. So there's a lot of trouble for people in Russia who do not support the Putin regime, the dissidents, basically. So Ukrainian people suffer physical violence. Lots of Russian people suffer mental violence and displacement. So they don't support this idea. They have to leave the country. And based on the non-official statistics, so the official statistic is that 10 million refugees fled Ukraine. 4 million refugees fled, but 4 million Russian people left. Yeah, so one partner of ours is still in Russia. Angela, another partner, she was here near Geneva and I went to her in order to start picking up our people when the war started. So we were all in absolute shock. We have never operated our brand during the war. We didn't know what war logistics, what it means. So Angela have found rice for a vehicle. We have taken a vehicle, we've sat in the car and we've arranged all this logistical operation to get out first 12 people of ours from the border. So then within Ukraine, we've put our people, the 57 people, into different locations. We gathered them in two points physically where they lived together in the houses where there was uh, the underground where they could hide in case there's fire. So that was the main problem. So there was the, how do we call it, when there's an airplane bombing. Like an air raid siren, like that? Yeah, yeah, like a siren, exactly. So that's a signal for people to go into the bomb shelters. And Kiev, I think that the last war Kiev have witnessed, if we don't take Maidan, which was not a war, but it was a revolt of Ukrainian people, rather pacifist. So there was a, during the Second World War, so there's not so many bomb shelters that have been prepared to host people. So people were hiding on the parkways, on the, on the parking spots, sorry. So like, yeah. And that, that was just shocking. So on your Instagram, I know for the brand, and we'll put a, a link to that. I know there's a few posts about this journey, about the train and this. Yeah. We were following the state of every member of my Sleeping Gypsy on the phone. So for my managers, it was a lot of talking, talking, talking. I was mm -hmm. trying to talk at least to all five daily, twice a day, three times a day with people who've been in Kiev, this first day, so it was two partners of mine, Tatiana and Anastasia. For them, it was very difficult. People were in shock and it was difficult to convince even them to go out because they have kids and families and, you know, dependents. So Tatiana, for example, she had a grandma of uh, a mother of her husband, uh, an old grandma. She was uh, not walking anymore. So she was in her bed all the time and she needed to be constantly catered. They couldn't commit to going out because of this woman whom they couldn't leave because she, she would have been dead alone and no one could go there yeah. and help her. So actually they, they left when she died. She died eventually alone in her apartment, but they could come and arrange. So actually Tatiana, she left before and her husband then followed once he arranged the funeral for her mom. But So it was, I mean, you know, there's so many stories, but and I think Ukrainians now, they are very strong in terms of talking about that stuff you know in the beginning we were like we just couldn't accept we couldn't 
this cause that we like we were like that's gonna stop tomorrow that's gonna stop like no one could see this as a continuous action and of course no one could imagine like what we know already now three months into the game but the, the first state was shock so we've located people in in the safest place we could possibly arrange in Kiev and then we started to take them out in some sense one by one so we were organizing people in the groups and then we took this vehicle and we came to the border we brought the humanitarian aid so the local people we had so much support I'm so grateful to the people of Geneva and this part of France that is very close to here and all these people they have donated so many things we've put them in the car we brought it to Slovenian border, we took out the humanitarian aid and we took in our employees and refugees basically fleeing the war. So there were our team members and with some of them there were the kids and the families, all women. First car was all women. And then we came here to Geneva and we were located in, in Angela's house, this partner of ours. She gave all the house, you know, the house everywhere. There was people, you know, all the neighbors, they brought in mattresses and help. And they were coming every day to bring dinner, you know, because we were suddenly 25 people straight. And there was the whole operation to just feed these people for Angela, who never also, you know, had that many people. Yeah, that would be a lot in normal circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we started to, well, we voted, so it was difficult to convince people to go out because everyone was waiting that the war is going to stop any day. Then people started to feel very compassionate and, you know, they wanted to be of help while volunteering. So we've created MSG support initiative. So in order to keep paying people, you know, who are not specifically in the garment production now, but they are doing all these things. So we started to come up with ideas of how we can help locally. So that's what we've been balancing since then, taking people out who want to go out and who is willing, who is ready to join us here. Otherwise, support now people. Now they are back to work. The production is operational in Kiev. However, that's this of the we we were like hesitating in between solutions either we should go to the western ukraine but now there's a big chance that moldova could be taking over there's instability in the transnistria region so does it make sense to go to the western ukraine you know does the, to move the production does the whole operation and everything is stuck in kiev so we've discommitted to that and we voted within the brand everyone voted the people said that they want to stay in kiev it's easier for them now because the families are also there so I would say now the team is spread 30% are here with me in Europe, around 10% are in the Western Ukraine. These are, for example, our partner of mine, and she is the head of operations. So she works online, she, she's fine with doing that online. So she is there, several other people are there and we can't now provide them work in the Western Ukraine. So it has to be solved. Either they join us here or they go back to Kiev. That's really a big drama actually. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. The logistics of all of this sounds like yeah, a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and the, the, so. the, the biggest body of the team is in Kiev. And the production that became operational one month ago and since two days fully operational. Fantastic. So could we talk about the name of your company? Like how, sure. how you guys settled? Like, first of all, six ladies being able to pick one name, I commend you. But could you talk about what it means and where it comes from? In the United States, the word gypsy... It's sort of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a difficult concept. And then I 
just wanted to know. Yeah, you know, we haven't actually, so our name is a bit also our mission now because, you know, a lot of people stand against Romani people who are sometimes called gypsy. And actually, once we've applied for participation in the award, Zalando Sustainability Award, Zalando is a big German retailer. And so we were there in the process and in, inside of the process, we were denied participation due to our name. So it was the whole thing because the gypsy, either, either that's cultural appropriation or what about the gypsies? But actually, so we've investigated this question quite deeply. And I'm sure I've been knowing you that. Very important to, yeah, to say that and we're proud of our name. So actually, our name comes from, you know, there's many sense to it. So there's a painting of Henri Rousseau, which is called Bohemian Andormi, which is translated in English as Sleeping Gypsy. This painting is, by the way, in MoMA Museum in New York. Beautiful painting. There's a woman in a dress and a lion next to her. So in French, the gypsy is Bohemian. Our, you know, our style, so we craft, we work with the Ukrainian traditional craft of Vyshevanka, the embroidered dress. But the feeling... I love them. Oh, my God, they're so beautiful, especially that Braille line. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, the, the feeling of the feet and the brand is very bohemian. Who are the bohemians and why, actually, in French, bohemian and gypsy is, you know, in some sense the same? Because the Romani people are considered to be moving from... So who are Romani people? This is a caste from India of, you know, who were musicians and entertainers. And, uh, you know, there's people who are moving all the time. There's a lifestyle. There's the way, the way they have chosen to live. So these people, apparently, at some point in time, they moved from Bohemia in Czech Republic towards Paris. And it was just actually during the events of the World War II. And they were looking for the places, the cheap places to stay, since they haven't got a lot of money, never. Being a non-conformist and not accepted in any society is difficult to make money when you are this way. <laughs> and so they were looking for a place to stay in Paris. And who is also a non-conformist and who doesn't have a lot of money? Artists. Was... So they were actually going to the same places and living together in Paris. And this actually even happened to be central. So this, you know, boho style, what is boho style? This non-conformist. So you are your clothes can be a bit shabby, right? You don't care much for the rules, right? So you live your own sort of thing, your own lifestyle, right? And this this where the connection comes from. So there's this explanation to our name that it comes from Andre Russo's painting and the, the Bohemian way of life and the, the memoir of being free, you know, inside in your thoughts, in your heart. And uh, yeah, non-conformity, very important now, because my belief is that what, what happens in Russia is also due to conformity. The people don't stand up, they don't say what they think, they're scared, there's fear. So yeah, not being afraid to be different, to be just the way you are. So the brand was called in the beginning Sleeping Gypsy. Then Mai appeared in two years, I think, or in three years. Again, the team voted, because we felt like Sleeping Gypsy belongs a lot to the painting of Andre Rousseau. And once we've started to sell online and with the website, you know, sometimes we were before Henri Rousseau, which I found personally wrong. This is, you know, culture that belongs to everyone. Everyone should see this amazing painting. So we thought, okay, we, and we always, for some reason, we always called ourselves My Sleeping Gypsy. So then we've changed the name officially to My Sleeping Gypsy. And that's how, that's where it all came together. And I think the brand is a lot. So in terms of gypsies, there, there's a, no gypsies in the brand. 
However, one of our partners, Stasia, she has in her ancestry, she has gypsy roots. She even researched that. This is not the family that she is now connected to, but there's, there's that, which we're also very happy about. But the name comes mainly, I would say, yeah, from this non-conformist, nomadic, in some sense, lifestyle, if we can say, and bohemian, boho style, which is very much right. with the feeling of the cut of whatever clothes we create. I think people forget maybe that Bohemia was a country. I don't know how, like, if you ask the everyday person in America, I'm just thinking that might not be something that, yeah. 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 And I mean, I understand what you're saying historically. I also see parallels between what's happening right now. I mean, like you were talking about Russian citizens who are forced to leave, Ukrainians who are forced to leave, who I'm being a refugee. I mean, I I do understand that there is a, a pejorative and, it can be considered an ethnic slur, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, for me, it seems like you are living what the word means. And that makes sense to kind of own that. I don't, I hope that's not offensive to anyone. We made our research on the subject of cultural appropriation. So, mm-hmm. and actually cultural appropriation is a social idea that doesn't have much ground because what means appropriation is that you take the resource of someone and if you are taking it, there's lesser of this resource for someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we say, we, uh, since we use that word in our name, there's more people talking about gypsy, Romanian mm-hmm. people. And actually, mm-hmm. Romanian people would like to be talked about. So the, the culture is a never-ending resource. The more you talk about things, the, this culture broadens and it still remains Romanian culture. You know, they don't have lesser of that. So this, this uh, in terms of cultural appropriation, where I think we are clear on, on that one. The, I think yeah, yeah. since that we've been thinking about, okay, should we be using the, the word gypsy? Is it sort of a slur or what is a slur? What, what, what is that? What is a slur? Are there any words that are bad? Like either people give that meaning to something that it is bad, you know. Gypsy people, there's nothing like bad and good in the world, right? So right. Uh, Romani people, these are the people who are nomads, you know. So in... India, for example, I can give you the whole historical uh, information on that. I don't know if you if you want to take it there, but it's for me just the protecting of people who are being the minority and who are being neglected and abused. I think that's in some sense for me the mission of my life. These people are, you know, always refugees anywhere. Anywhere they go, it's difficult for them to stand on their feet. And now, you know, we see now 15 million refugees, you know, 150 million refugees due to official statistics in the next decade to come due to climate change. So this is a big question, you know. So there's no chauvinism between people, you know. They don't separate people as, as these are good people and these are bad people. I think it's all about people being united, regardless of which country they belong to, which passport they hold. It's, mm-hmm. it's a question of people evolving into accepting each other you know, we, we are all brothers and sisters. We are all people of the world. And as we, now, us now, Ukrainian, we see that very unexpected events can occur in different countries. I mean, right. So I think it's yeah, people moving together and supporting each other and accepting each other. That's how the humanity can move forward and actually pay attention to the problems that we are facing, the external problems, you know, that we are facing as the human race. Not the only particular, you know, politician wars and war conflicts and problems that people create between themselves. They have to unite. They shouldn't be separated because there are the problems of 
how we're going to survive, of one of which is climate change. What do we do about that? Well, I really, really like the idea that, I mean, I firmly believe in having conversations. I think they, they have to happen. And if we ignore things, we don't fix them, right? The problems persist. So, and I think that you're right. And that just having a controversial name means that people are being talked about, right? Like that's important. That's very important for them. Yeah. yeah, we have to have these difficult whatevers. So I have one last question for well, you. Just, Hopefully this is... Just one last thing, you know, for also for the Zalando, the German company. There was a, there was a genocide against gypsy people, Romani people, just as Jewish people. There's a special word. I, I'm sorry, I forgot the special word, how it's called. And uh, so the fact that we were denied participation in the Sustainability Award due to the sake that this word was present in our name, it actually just means that German people don't want its PR, you know, it's, they don't want to touch the base, you know, to shape the society because people don't want to raise important questions of inclusivity of everyone and how do we solve it all together. So definitely for us, that's the name we love and we'll always, you know, be called this oh way. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm very much appreciative yeah. of you being willing to explain and talk about it because I think we have to talk about stuff when it's hard and I think it's important for us too so I very much it means a lot the last thing I want to ask and hopefully this is a little more fun and less sad I'm very curious in the United States children are almost never taught to sew like I'm I have a five-year-old daughter and I'm in the process of teaching her to sew because I know how to sew my mom taught me do you know how to sew did you learn as a child do you have like a memory about that? Yeah. Two parts of fabric together in my stick weight. <laughs> so I can sort of attach things together, mm-hmm. but I cannot construct a garment. I'm not a professional seamstress, definitely. The partner is pattern maker, you know, a tailor with mm-hmm. uh, 25 years of experience. Of course, and of course. That's how of we course, all come together. You know, we are all different. And she is the tailor behind the brand, you know. And then yes. there's many other artists of ours and craftsmen of whom I'm very proud. But uh, no, I mean, me, I wouldn't be able to create a my sleep gypsy garment. Definitely not. But I hope I can inspire. I can create a space for it Absolutely. to be born. Yes. No, and I don't mean to, to shame you on that. I just know sometimes people have something in their childhood and, you know, it just makes them chase down the career. I have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were doing the master classes online on our Instagram, and teaching people, inviting our friends who are not from our industry, just the local influencers, you know, cool people that we like. We ask them to embroider things and store things together. No, it sounds it's wonderful. Cool. People still to learn, especially now. Yeah, sometimes it calms you down. It grounds you. You are grounded when you do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me. I really, truly appreciate this so much. And yeah, this is. I know that you're doing so many things. You're wearing so many hats. You're doing so many jobs. So thank you for making the space to talk to us. It's very important to our little red fashion and to me personally that we we share these stories. These stories need to be shared so thank you thank you very much rachel that was a pleasure to talk to you and Same. yeah very i'm much enjoyed grateful it. To, to all the american people for their support they're taking a big role in that conflict for ukraine it means a lot so yeah that's a lot to that. us it will stop anytime may it stop now just this very second I mean, yes, yeah. yeah, this moment, this moment, please, dear God. Yeah. So thank you everyone so much for joining us today as we, we saw with Katya from My Sleeping Gypsy all about her experiences and 
how her brand is is going and doing and making and creating right now. Katya, we really appreciate you taking the time and talking about the difficult stuff with us. Thank you very much. That's a wrap for today. Visit us at littleredfashion.com where you can find the show notes and transcripts of Little Red Village podcast episodes on the blog. And if you enjoyed it, give us a four-star review on whatever platform you're listening through. We're on a mission to empower the next generation and build a community of supportive fashion lovers, families, educators, and professionals like you to help creative kids thrive. Thanks for joining Jonathan and Rachel today. And remember, fashion is for everyone.